May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Brazilian theologian Leonardo Goss loved to say that everything is drenched in the communion of the Blessed Trinity. Everything is drenched in the communion of the Blessed Trinity. So what that makes me think of is that we are the bread pudding and the Holy Trinity is the sauce that drenches and makes us delicious. <laughs> makes us delicious. But let's hear it again. Everything is drenched in the communion of the Blessed Trinity. Think about that the next time it rains and you don't have an umbrella. Or you walk down the street in Houston in June or July. Yes, I'm talking about dripping with sweat. Every human being will get drenched with rain without an umbrella. And every human being will have to wipe the sweat off their brow in the heat of the summer in Houston. We are connected by our nature in this way, equal in our embodiedness, in communion with each other through our common humanity. On this feast day of the Holy Trinity, we are invited to imagine a God who is not beyond the world or over against the world, but in and for the world, drenching and surrounding us in love and communion, quenching us our thirst, life and love and community. A graduate uh, student at the Graduate Theological Union, Jay Sun Ryu, wrote an article that I love about Leonardo Boff and uh, the, the Trinity. And he says that contemporary theologians like Leonardo Boff conceive of God as three persons in a fellowship of love, an eternal mutual indwelling into which every creature, everyone, is invited. The radically interdependent nature of the triune God expresses God in terms of relationship, communion, and mutual indwelling. And that nature, that dynamic of the Holy Trinity is an example for us in our lives, an example, a model for the church, for society, and really for all of our relationships. This is Boff again, a direct quote. And he says, if there is a logic within the Blessed Trinity, it is this, give and give again. The three persons are different so as to be able to give themselves to one another. And this self-giving is so perfect that the three persons unite and are one sole God. 
giving and giving again. That's the model of the Trinity for our communities and for our lives. So if the reality of the living God uh, lives in, among, and for us as being in relationship to another, then we are called, we are invited, we are beckoned to live as beings in relation to each other. We are called to see the Trinity indwelling, dwelling in each other. Just like we say we see the face of, the, of Jesus in the other, we serve God in the other, we serve the face of Christ in the other. We are called to see the Trinity dwelling in each other. And we are called to participate in that quenching of love and community, that um, drenching of love and grace and forgiveness. And we are called, invited, beckoned, not to drench our lives in sorrow. For the last couple of years, I have been a member of the National Interfaith Advisory Council for Every Town for Gun Safety. And in fact, through June, I was the co-chair. It's been a real blessing to me, even though it is a very David and Goliath type of work. And our efforts honestly have not stopped the tidal wave of gun violence that is breaking our society. We have yet to overcome the giant behemoth of our gun culture. And yet we are called to be faithful, not successful. You're called to be faithful in doing the life-giving thing. For in so doing, we are living life abundant. So in this capacity, um, working in this organization, I've met people that I would never have had the enormous privilege of meeting. And so even though sometimes I feel like I'm not prepared enough for the meetings or I could be doing more or this or that, I have been blessed by saying yes to this life-giving community work. And one of those people that I've met is the Reverend Sharon Risher. A quote from an article about her. On the night of June 17, 2015, Reverend Sharon Risher was busy at work serving as a chaplain in a Dallas hospital when her nephew called with worrying news. There had been an incident at Mother Emanuel Church in the Reverend's hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, but there were no immediate details. Soon after, she saw the unthinkable on TV. A gunman had entered a prayer meeting at the church, killing nine people, among them her beloved mother, Ethel Lance, and two cousins, Taiwanza Saunders and Susie Jackson, and a lifelong friend. Still reeling from the grief and the shock and the anger of that news, 
she um, she had attended that church all her life in her childhood with her mother. She she heard her sister who was in Charleston saying not 48 hours after the tragedy that they that she forgave Bill and Ruth. Reverend Risher said, I, I, I couldn't do it. I don't know how my sister did it so quickly. And I'm the minister. She said, I couldn't do it. You can't force forgiveness. There's no time limit to come to forgiveness. And some people never get there. And I don't, I don't think that I would have gotten, wouldn't have gotten there if it hadn't been for my faith. She said most of the families were at his arraignment and she heard her sister's voice on TV along with the other families saying, I forgive you. And all I could do was scream. My brain was a huge, was in a, 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 a state of, of anger to hear somebody talking about forgiveness when I'm in this sorrow trying to figure out what was happening. My brain was like, forgive? We haven't even figured out what happened. So she did her work of arguing with God. Remember, God can't take your questions and God can't take your anger. Arguing with God, pleading with God, and eventually praying for the will to do for some good to come out of this tragedy. And she said she was preaching two years later and the words just came out of her mouth in the pulpit, I forgive you. And then she couldn't preach anything else. I think that was certain enough. And this is not to say that it's the victim's responsibility to forgive. But it is a load off of your spiritual weight. If you are able to pray for God to help you to forgive. Since 2015, I can't tell you how many incidents of gun violence have wrecked our communities. I know that it's too many. There's an organization of Episcopal bishops called Bishops United Against Gun Violence, and our diocesan bishop, Bishop Doyle, is a member of it. And they have published many prayers for use in the wake of gun violence, and we have had to use them too many times. I, I use them personally, on my own, as we tend the Gun Violence Memorial by our Columbarium, which we created as a witness to the human beings and communities whose lives have been marked forever by this scourge. As we put the flags outside 
the little orange flags that usually denote pesticide or don't dig here. We put those flags outside as a representation of each community. And when we do that, and when we fold the prayer cranes with the names of victims, we witness to the wounds inflicted and we also judge. People don't like the word judge. But we judge that this is wrong. As of Thursday, there were about 264 mass shooting incidents in the U.S. this year alone. I don't know how many there have been since Thursday. One of the reasons that we have this feast day, Trinity Sunday, which is the only feast day for doctrine that we have in the Episcopal Church, is because since biblical times, people have experienced God as dynamic. There are references in the Bible of God that we heard today as creator, as primogenitor, as among us, as embodied, as inspiring and present in ways that build community, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the blessed, dynamic, life-giving, community-building, secret-sauce divinity of the Blessed Holy Trinity allows for more of all those same characteristics for us than we are living into today. We can do better because our God invites us to love each other in spirit and in truth, in word and in deed, changing the dynamic of death here and now as we sing too many alleluias at too many graves. And so we pray, God of hope, we hold before you all who have lost their lives and all whose lives have been forever changed as a result of gun violence. We remember those who have ended their lives with a gun, those who have died as a result of accidental shootings, and those whose lives have been cut short by gun by gun in the hands of a person with intent to kill. Remembering that we are all made in your image, we acknowledge the role of the sin of racism and homophobia and other forms of systemic hatred, how they play out in our American gun violence epidemic. And we ask humbly and sincerely that you receive all who have died into the arms of your mercy, that you bless those who mourn with the hope of eternal life, and you strengthen our hearts to work to bring an end to gun violence. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.